Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights diverse trendsetters and change agents who are the greatest contemporary thinkers and doers, devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology expert, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in optimal lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where you will learn about strengthening your intuition for guidance, healing, and happiness. Alrighty then, let's get to it. Today, you will learn the simple truth about intuition, how it can be cultivated as a guide to creating the life and relationships of our desires. My first guest is writer, producer, and director of feature films, Bill Bennett. He has a career spanning several decades. He's made several films. And he's coming on today to talk about his newest project, which is PGS the Movie, Personal Guidance System. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Thanks, Lisa. Really happy to have you here. Talk a little bit about this project, because you had something happen. There was, there was a voice that saved your life that set you on the path of this project. Mm-hmm. Um, going back now quite a few years, I was actually in New Orleans. I was working on a movie. I had to get to the airport early one morning. It was before dawn. It was dark. And as I was approaching an intersection, I had a green light up ahead. I heard a voice which said, slow down. Um, I ignored it. <laughs> I thought, that's crazy. What is this? Um, I went to accelerate to get through on the green light. And the voice came in a second time, more emphatically, slow down. I did slow down. And then out of nowhere, on a cross street, running a red light, came a huge truck which hurtled through the intersection, narrowly missing me. I pulled up. If it hadn't been for that voice, that truck would have killed me. And that really was the um, the trigger for my making the film. Uh, I was uh, I came away from that whole encounter with three questions: What was that voice? Where did it come from? And why did it save my life? And those three questions led me then to intuition. Mm. And what did that voice sound like? It's really hard to describe, but it sounded like me, but, but not me. It sounded like, um, it sounded like an aspect of me, if I, if I can use that term. So the inner guide, perhaps? Is that the point? Uh, um. I, I came to believe that after a while. Yeah, it took me quite a long time. See, Lisa, you've got to understand that um, that I, I came to this with a, a certain level of uh, skepticism. Uh, I grew up in a household where my parents were both dentists. All my siblings went into the medical sciences. In fact, I started off studying medicine at um, at university. Um, it wasn't my thing. I segued into journalism, and journalism only sort of <laughs> reinforced my my need for proof and evidence and so forth. And so when I started this, I came to it with, I think, a healthy level of objectivity. 
But when I came to make the film, and this is several years after that incident with the truck, um, I figured that I didn't want to make a BBC knowledge documentary or something that would be seen on, you know, one of these one of these shows that tries to balance things. I really wanted to to look at it with an open mind and look at it very personally because what happened to me was inordinately personal. Mm. Have you heard the voice since? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. But but what I've come to realize is that my intuition connects with me in other ways. I think I think in that instance it was it was required. The the voice was required. So as you approached this project as the skeptic, because it was not quantifiable, what what did you come to learn through the process of making the film? <laughs> That's a big question, Lisa. I came to learn I came to learn some huge things and in fact um the making of the film fundamentally changed my life. Um I essentially came to learn that intuition, I believe intuition is a means whereby we can connect to a higher source. Um and the purpose of intuition I've come to believe is man- manifold, but one of its singular purposes is to keep us alive and keep us safe from harm, because I do believe that that intuition tries to guide us through life for us to fulfill the purpose for which we were born. Uh, so did you discover or was a, a noble or higher purpose revealed to you through the making of the film? Not really. No, it came very gradually and it came by surprise. Um, and I didn't set out on this whole thing um, to expecting that I would would have any sort of fundamental shifts. Um, that came in very subtle ways and, and, like I say, over a long period of time. And it wasn't a straight-line graph as well. You know, I had doubts and fears and... Um, and I thought I was going in the wrong direction. And, and I, I've got to say, Lisa, and I've made quite a few films now over a long period of time, as you said in your introduction. This, without doubt, has been the hardest film I've ever had to make. And why is that? I'm curious. Why is it so di- was it so difficult to make? Uh, for two main reasons. One is that I found the whole notion of intuition to be an extremely complex thing. Um, people seem to use the word in, in indiscriminate ways. And I found it very difficult to, to kind of determine exactly what intuition was because, because it is a word that's bandied around. And, and also it's a word that seem, a lot of people seem to use interchangeably with instinct, which I've come to believe instinct and intuition are two different things totally. But the second reason, um, so that's the first reason. The first reason was that I found it an inordinately difficult subject to wrap my head around. The second reason, and this came uh, <laughs> this came through the making of the film, is that I came to realize that I could not make a film on intuition, I could not make a truthful film on intuition without becoming intuitive myself. Um, and that didn't come easily to me because for that really... For, for me really to become 
truly intuitive and allow guidance to, to lead the way, I had to give up control. And throughout my life, the one thing that I have held on to very tightly is control. That's why I produce, produce direct and write, because <laughs> I, I'm a control freak. You want to be in charge. <laughs> Exactly. Well, did you did you learn about uh, other sources that may ultimately be in charge of this whole thing called life? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, as soon as I let go, and as soon as I trusted that that the whole film was being guided, then things opened up and things became easy. Whenever I shut down with fear and tried to grasp back control, things uh, contracted. And like I say, it was never a straight line graph. I, you know, I, I sort of faltered through fits and starts through all of this. Um, I got to say that Paul's work helped me enormously, both, um, both with the making of the film, but also with my personal growth. I came to Paul's work quite late in the piece, in fact, but in a sense, I came to, to Paul's work when I needed to, because if I'd come to Paul's work, earlier, then perhaps I wouldn't have been um, as receptive to it as I ended up being. But, but Paul's work, his work with the guides, was uh, fundamental to the ultimate realization of the film and to my own personal growth. I want to ask you about um, the connection with Paul and the odyssey that the film took you on um, with the different people, experts, and um, avenues that you needed to take in order to make this project? Well, I started out wanting to look at intuition from three perspectives, science, religion, and spirituality. Um, and I, as I went, through, and I, I didn't know where I would start. I never set out with a list of people, you know, like the who's who of intuition and sort of tick them off one by one. I just blindly started off in India with a camera and just went from ashram to ashram. <laughs> One thing led to another. And um, and then I went to Italy and went to the Vatican and then I went to America and so forth. But one of the things, a couple of things hit me. One was that with all the people that I interviewed, and I ended up interviewing 76 people in all, of which 26 ended up in the film. But of all the people I interviewed, pretty much everybody was saying essentially the same thing. They were just using their own particular language, um, and that that was um, that was a big surprise for me. But the other thing too, I I, I began to realise was was this, and, and coming back to the connection with Paul, and that is that okay, I heard a voice. Where did that voice come from? And that then led me to people who channeled, and I started to think that if there is a higher creative source then these people have a direct and unfettered connection to that source. And so there's not, there's not uh, any sort of filtering of scripture or doctrine or um, scientific rigor or anything like that that, that intercedes. And that, that I found to be really quite attractive, the notion that I could speak to somebody that had a direct connection with source, which is where I believe that voice came from. And hence I started to then really give serious thought to channels, and that led me then to Paul. And Paul's going to join us in a few minutes, which I'm very, very happy about, um, because he figures prominently in the film, and he has written, um, he 
a tremendous amount on the subject in terms of channeling. And he operates, I think, in realms that the average person doesn't have access to on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. To talk, talk, if you would, for a minute about some of the experts of the 26 that landed in the final cut of Personal Guidance System, the movie. Well, as I say, I never started off with a list, a definitive list, but I ended up being led, and I truly mean this, being led to some of the some of the leading experts on intuition in the world, people like Carolyn Mace, James Van Praag, um, Lee Carroll, Paul, um, Dean Radin, and so forth. And when I look back on the film now, um, I'm almost shocked at how it happened, because once I let go, it happened relatively easily. Um, people just sort of, you know, the, the, the interviewees that, that, that I came to just came quite effortlessly. You know, it's interesting, Lisa, there was, I only had one person that I really wanted to interview um, when I first started out, you know, if you like using my logical mind. And this was a person who was... Um, an expert on the third eye. And I did that interview and it just didn't work. <laughs> it, it just didn't work. You know, so, so I must, I must say that the film is still a shock to me when I look at it to see how all of these extraordinary people came to be, came to be in the film. Well, it sounds like you were ready and willing to go on the journey and you, you gave up on fear. It sounds like at some point and the need to control at other points. And it, it seems to me from what you say in, in my own experience and being human, that when I am in fear, my intuition is, is dampened that that pilot light is, is throttled. Well, I came to understand that fear is, um, and I think Paul says this in the film as well. And the fear is, perhaps the greatest obstacle to intuition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in fact, the next film that I want to make in the same kind of style of this PGS film is I, I want to do a film on fear. Fear is, uh, is scary business. You know, I think fear keeps us from most everything. It's useful if it's channeled properly. Well, I'm really looking forward to examining fear because some people feel that um, that they need fear as a protection. And in fact, the, the book that the most recent book that Paul has written, the Book of Freedom, uh, discusses fear in a great deal of detail. And uh, Paul has agreed to be in this next film, so I'm very much looking forward to having that having that chat with him. And it's the perfect segue to the break, and then we'll bring Paul on. Um, we're going to take that pause to learn more about the work of Bill Bennett and the film PGS, Personal Guidance System, the movie. Please visit pgsthemovie.com. You can also find Bill Bennett at billbennett.com.au. On Twitter, he is at Bill Bennett Oz, that's O-Z. And on Facebook, you can find um, the movie page, PGS The Movie. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that's a promise. Before we head out to the break, I want to share with you one of my favorite parts about the holidays, which is reconnecting with family, the magic of swapping stories, and reliving important moments together. We all enjoy good stories, and everyone loves a great storyteller. That's why I'm a subscriber to StoryWorth. 
one of the easiest and most creative ways to strengthen bonds with family, preserve memories, discover family history, and create a precious keepsake. Documenting and sharing our journeys with people we care about brings us closer together. And here's how it works. Purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth will email a meaningful question designed to elicit entertaining, surprising, and sometimes moving responses. One of my favorite recent questions was, what is one of the riskiest things you've ever done? My sister shared with me that when she was in ninth grade, she was not supposed to leave campus for lunch, but she did by hiding in the trunk of an older friend's car. You never know what family history story worth will uncover. At the end of the year, your loved one's stories and photos will be compiled into a beautiful hardcover printed keepsake book that will be a treasure for generations to come. StoryWorth makes a meaningful holiday or any day gift. And here's a great perk for our listeners. You will receive $20 off your subscription by visiting StoryWorth.com slash happiness. Learn more about those you love at StoryWorth.com slash happiness and get 20 bucks off your subscription. StoryWorth makes priceless gifts that will keep on giving. Now here comes the break. We'll be right back. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services. Welcome back to the show. Before we return to the conversation about strengthening your intuition for guidance, healing, and happiness, I want to talk with you about how lifelong learning boosts creativity and human happiness. It's true. It's true. Research has proven that the happiest people are the ones that are curious and passionate types who love learning, creating, and experiencing new things that keep the mind, body, and spirit alive and flourishing. Today's episode of Harvesting Happiness is brought to you in part by Skillshare, igniting and fueling the creator in everyone. Skillshare is an online community of makers and knowledge seekers with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative, professional, and entrepreneurial skills available on demand. So whether you want to gain new expertise, pick up a hobby, or challenge yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, Skillshare offers tons of opportunity to expand and grow. I've got a black thumb that I'd like to turn green, so I'm taking Happy House Plants with botanist Chris Satch from The Sill to learn how to keep my plants alive for more than just a week. Creative expression is essential to my happiness because it keeps me engaged with life and allows me to be fully present when I'm working with my hands. What I love about Skillshare's unique virtual platform is that it also allows and encourages online engagement with my teachers and fellow students. I like to see what others are making and share what I've created. So why not join me and millions of other students on Skillshare? For a limited time, listeners of Harvesting Happiness get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering listeners two months of unlimited access for free. What are you waiting for? Go grab some free happiness over at Skillshare.com slash HH. Get inspired and grow at Skillshare.com slash hh that's skillshare.com slash hh welcome back to harvesting happiness if you're just joining us now we are having an in-depth conversation about intuition and a new film entitled pgs 
personal guidance system, the movie. I have Bill Bennett, who is the writer, producer, and director of this film, as well as several other features and documentaries. Bill, prior to the break, we were talking about your own experience that led you to this project and some of the experts that feature prominently in the film. And one of those is Paul Selig. And he is in the house. Yeah, I, I was I was thrilled to discover Paul Selig's work. Um, you know, people talk about going into a bookstore and having a book sort of jump out of the out of the shelves and land in their lap. Well, that's kind of what happened to me when I discovered Paul Selig's work. I was googling channels, and up came a link to one of his books, "I Am the Word," and I went to the sample pages. I read a few pages, and I thought. I've got to read this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and I read one book and then I read all of the books and then I said, this man has to be in my film. And i got to say, Lisa, that at that point I'd actually locked off the cut pretty much. I determined that I wasn't going to interview anybody else. But I went to New York specifically to interview Paul for the film. Mm. Let's, let's bring Paul on and, and talk with him. Paul, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I just want to um, let our listeners know that you are considered one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. You are a prolific writer. You uh, have written channeled literature that has recorded an extraordinary program for personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. I, I want to hear from your perspective what you thought when Bill Bennett showed up at your doorstep. Well, it was funny. It was it was a strange. I mean, first of all, I got this email from Bill, and I, he sent me the trailer for this film that seemed to already be done, but for some reason, he wanted to speak to me. And it was a very well done trailer, and the subject was interesting, and Bill was was incredibly genteel and welcoming. And I said, sure. And we happened to meet in New York City on a day when I had just decided to give all my furniture away. <laughs> we walked with, yeah, I had just decided that I didn't want my couch anymore. And all the furniture was like gone out of the house. And Bill showed up with a camera and his his wife, Jennifer, and um, and sat me in the one chair that I had. I think they sat on the floor and we did this interview. And, um, and it's in the film, much to my surprise, but it was a wonderful introduction for me and I'm I'm very proud to be to be a part of the film. I want to ask a little bit about your background because prior to coming out of the closet as a psychic and a channel, you were a college professor. You went yeah. to Yale, you had a, a an illustrious academic career. Talk about what happened. What 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 where the shift came? Well the shift came when I was twenty five and it was about a year out of Yale. Um I'd been a playwright and I'd had a list of things that I had to have achieved in the world that I thought would make me okay. And I got the whole list and I wasn't okay. And really out of sheer necessity began to, to look for something more. And I started praying for the first time in my life. I had been raised an atheist and was fairly comfortable in at least my agnosticism. But I also heard a voice and um, it told me to get my act together and it floored me and I listened to it. And that was the beginning of the opening for me. But I, my academic career happened concurrently with my opening up 
as a psychic and a channel. It's not what I expected to do, and I did it very quietly for a very long time. I led a small group in my apartment for about 18 years. Um, the books only started being delivered through me in 2009. And that's when it became public. Once the books found an audience and had a publisher, there was no way for me to pretend that this wasn't happening anymore. And now it's what I do. Um, but it was a big shift and continues to be. And from 2009 forward to the present, there have been three very large books, right? There's a, the actually, actually, there have been seven oh. now. The seventh is coming out in August, but there are six now in print. There is two trilogies. Um, Bill mentioned I Am the Word, which was the first book. And that was dictated, you know, and all, I don't write a word. Occasionally I'll write an introduction in my own voice, but these books are channeled. So I'm a radio and I'm taking dictation for what I hear. And the verbal teachings, which are recorded, now they're all done on video because they're all done in front of audiences. The books are delivered that way, are then transcribed and sent to the publisher intact with no editing. Um, but the first book took two and a half weeks of dictation. And um, they, they, there's, you know, seven others now. So it's an ongoing teaching that's, that's coming through. Hang on just a minute, because I'm not, I'm not the skeptic. I'm, I'm a believer, but yeah. I, 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 and I'm, and you've got me hooked mm -hmm. in, in what you're saying, yeah. but I am amazed by what you say about the channeling and, and mm -hmm. the rapidity with which you're yeah. getting the download. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, whenever I question this stuff and I, like Bill, you know, can be skeptical about a lot of this stuff and I question what comes through me and how it comes through me still, you know, after a ton of proof. But I know that no matter how eloquent I might be, I don't think I'm capable of closing my eyes and speaking, you know, six, seven books that don't require any editing. Um, but that's how they've been. And um that's how it happens. There's no other way that I can describe it. I I sit in a chair, I close my eyes, I hear one phrase repeated with some urgency, and I give that phrase voice and everything just tumbles on out after that until the guides I work with say, stop now, please. And then that's the end of the dictation. And when they're dictating books, they're very clear that this lecture that they're dictating isn't a book and what the title is or the chapter heading on when they'll pick it up. Um, so it's a process. But really, I'm I'm a radio or, you know, I'm, I'm being worked with at that level. So I don't even know what the title of the next book is. And I'm supposed to, you know, do that in, in the coming months. I have no clue what to expect. This is phenomenal to me. Bill, please chime into this conversation at this point, because I would imagine that you walking into Paul's apartment without much furniture, sitting down to do this interview and him just channeling what needs to be told must have been pretty phenomenal. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, Paul is a very humble, humble man. Um, and when I first met him, he and, and particularly uh, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned the fact that I had come uh, from Australia to New York City, City specifically to do the interview with him because I think it made him a little bit um, uh, anxious. But, um, but And so consequently he said, look, do you mind during the interview if, if, you, if when you ask a question and I'm not quite sure of the answer, 
um, I refer to the guides and I said, sure, go ahead. And I'd seen Paul in videos beforehand, so I knew a little bit what to expect. Uh, I did, for the purposes of the film, uh, need to explain to the audience or have Paul explain to the audience what was happening, what the process is. Because for somebody who comes at this um, without foreknowledge, it can be really quite confronting. Uh, because, as Paul says, he 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 speaks phrases twice. The first is quite fast, um, directly from the guides, and then he repeats it. And it can be really quite disconcerting for somebody who doesn't understand what is actually happening. I I have to say, like you, Lisa, um, I think it's extraordinary, yeah. and I, I cite to people. Paul and the way that he works and the books that he's channeled in the manner that he has as direct evidence that there is a higher power, there is a higher intelligence, there is a, a higher source of, of compassion and love. I, I, am, I am blown away because I have never encountered somebody who works quite in the way that Paul describes. And I think bringing that to life in the film for people to see that there are these dimensions that we don't know about that are, are out there and are alive in the same, the same time as us is quite eye opening. You know, uh, I, I, I'm just shaking my head here. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, Paul, being a humble man, won't, won't respond to that, so I'll step in. Um, <laughs> Paul, come on, Paul. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, Lisa. I, like I say, I, you know, I was at a lunch party the other day with uh, a bunch of engineers, and engineers are, you know, can be really hard-nosed skeptics. And I was telling them about Paul and about the way that he works um, and the, the method that, you know, the fact that the books are channeled without – any real editing other than, I think, corrections in grammar, not, not so much grammar, but, but sometimes words can be uh, attributed one or two ways, but essentially they're verbatim. Yeah. And it's extraordinary. If you read any of his books, what blows me away is the level of complexity of thought and sophistication of articulation that even if you had written it and you were reading from a teleprompter, you wouldn't be able to deliver it in such an eloquent and rapid way as, as Paul does through the guides. You cannot make this stuff up. Yeah. As I say, you know, Paul for me is direct proof that with his work with the guides, that there is a higher power that is influencing all of our lives. We're going to take a break. And when we return, I want to talk more about that, the, the, the guides that are influencing our lives. To learn more about the work of Paul Selig, please visit paulselig.com. To learn more about the work of Bill Bennett, please visit billbennett.com.au. To learn about the movie that we are speaking of, PGS, Personal Guidance System, the movie, please visit pgsthemovie.com. You can connect with uh, Paul on Twitter at Paul Selig and Bill on Twitter at Bill Bennett Oz. On Facebook, Paul Selig is at paul.selig. And you can find the movie uh, page as PGS The Movie. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? 
Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this episode. Why? Sharing is caring. It's kind, free, legal, available 24-7. And we are talking about strengthening your intuition for guidance, healing, and happiness. Let's return to the conversation with my next guest. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we're continuing the conversation with Paul Selig and Bill Bennett about the Book of Freedom and the documentary film PGS Personal Guidance System, the movie. So prior to the break, we were talking about the extraordinary work that Paul does as a as a channel and the prolific writing that comes from your sessions, Paul. And for people who may not be familiar with channeling or this type of work. Talk a little bit about maybe who they are, how you came to know them and how, how they, they serve you and, and the message that they are trying to make known. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I didn't really believe in this stuff. I'd read half of a Seth book when I was a grad student and found it interesting, (laughs) but I wasn't pursuing this kind of thing. And um, I had an opening, a psychic opening, and a sort of a spiritual opening in my in my twenties, mid twenties. And I started seeing little lights around people, which I didn't understand. And I started feeling energy, or I'd had a couple of experiences of feeling what I would now call energy. And I ended up studying a form of energy healing to get a context for it. And I found that when I had my hands on people, I started to hear things for them. So that was the beginning of clairaudience. And I didn't know what clairaudience was, but the clients or the people that I was working with would verify the information, which allowed me to start to trust what I was hearing. And then I convened a little group that met in my apartment for many years, and I began hearing for the group on the first day. My interest was the energy because the energy was palpable and could be felt by the collective. So the information was secondary to me, and I was dismissive of it, although it kept coming, and I kept saying what I was hearing as I would say it. It wasn't until about 2008 that the guide started to lecture through me. And that was after I quit cigarette smoking, which I'd been a a big smoker. And I was really shutting down my system as a result of that. And once that was out of the way, the work that I do now became apparent. But my guides say they're teachers and they're here to teach and they've been here a long time. And, you know, they're bringing through a teaching in a way which we may know. And the guides say, you know, to know something is to realize and your your knowing self is, in fact, your intuitive self. So they're calling us forward, if I can understand what they're saying, to be realized, as they say, who we truly are, which they say is an expression of the divine that seeks manifestation as and through us. That's, that's quite beautiful. And if, to the non-believer... Um, mm-hmm. 
What what do you say? What is the invitation? You know, the invitation, well, you know, I'm, I, I welcome the skepticism and I, I carry it myself and I'm not a very good new ager. And I think that there are things that people say are channeled and perhaps are not. Um, you know, I think of myself as a radio and I think that the broadcast is the information. Um, I'm not the source of the information. I'm a collaborator in that my vocabulary may be used and I can question what I'm hearing, which I often do. The work that I do as a psychic, which actually has to do with stepping into other people and people I've never met and often resembling them, taking on their facial expressions, mannerisms, that's the radio that I am playing the station of somebody else. They actually call me a medium for the living because my broadcast tends to be the most effective with people that still has a body. You know, if, you, if, you're, if your aunt is, isn't speaking to you, I can tune into your aunt. If your aunt's on the other side, I'd probably send you to somebody else. Although I could feel the dynamic between you and your aunt when she was living. And that stuff is provable. I mean, I've been filmed stepping into people and taking on their their physical challenges, you know, it's, it's really quite interesting to me. So for me, the, the, that level of mediumship and sort of the stepping in and the psychic work actually supports my belief and understanding and the channeled work because they all seem to work together. Channeling for me is hearing the guides and letting them work through me. And when I do the other work, I'm stepping into somebody else. So for the skeptic, I have to say that, you know, nothing can be known until it's first known of as possible, yes. you know, and in some ways I think I give people permission. I'm not, you know, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I don't want to be. I'm not a guru. I have no interest. I'm happy to show up for this work and be on this adventure with it. And I may never fully understand it, nor do I think I'll ever claim to be the expert on it. But I'm party to it. And, you know, that's my job. And if it gives somebody else permission to begin to understand that there may be more available than they have been previously taught then I've, I've perhaps, you know, contributed some good in the world. I would say that, that what you have written or what you have allowed to come through you is a contribution to the world because it, it uh, makes commentary on the human condition and hopefulness uh, for the realization of our desires. Yeah, and that's my guide's work, you know. So when I do the psychic work, I can pat myself on the back a little bit more because I'm party to it in a different way. And the channeled work really is about stepping aside, you know, as fully as I'm able to allow this other thing to come through. But yes, people are being helped by these things and I'm, you know, I'm I'm grateful that I'm party to that. In terms of the film, PGS, Personal Guidance System, um, I want to ask both of you how it will support or it is supporting people to cultivate greater uh, intuition within themselves. In what areas do you challenge the audience to step up? Lisa, pardon me, I'll, I'll, um, I'll kick off. Okay. Um, I, I guess in many ways I'm a little bit like Paul in that I don't profess to be to have any real knowledge or um, expertise in this stuff. I I made the film to satisfy curiosity uh, for something that happened to me, and I hope that I've um, I've taken pains throughout the film, not in any way 
to be, to be to not in any way be didactic or to tell people what to do or to tell people that I have any answers. Um, the film really is a personal exploration of my discovery of, of what intuition is and an, <laughs> an inkling of how it works. Um, in the end, I realised that in fact I wasn't searching for I wasn't searching for the source of the voice. I was really searching for myself, my true self. Mm. And as I said to Paul, I showed the film first to Paul in Santa Barbara, um, and the film the film got to the end where I, I say at the end of the film that um, you know I'm searching for myself, my true self, my divine self. And I told Paul that I could not have written those words and said those words without reading his work and without his influence. Oh, that's powerful. Well, I think Paul's work is very powerful. Um, yeah, I think Paul's oh. work is very powerful, and it's had a very, very powerful Im- impact on me and continues to do so. You see, <laughs> Lisa, what I, I'm a long-distance walker, and every day I walk, and I walk um, four to six miles each day. And most days I listen to Paul's books on audiobook. You know, so even though we haven't spoken for a while, Paul, I feel as though, you know, I've, I've been chatting to you every day for a long time. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's sweet. Thank you. Wow. We are going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation because I want to hear more from Paul Selig about the, the, the cultivation of the psychic because it sounds like it was, it was a, it was a staged evolution, Paul. A staged evolution? Yeah, in, in terms of stages. That at first you started oh, yeah, rece- yeah, yeah, receiving yeah. receiving the sure. the material, and then the psychic component was uh, a later part of the evolution. So let's take the break. We'll come back mm-hmm. and we'll we'll talk more to learn more about this film, PGS Personal Guidance System, the movie. Please visit pgsthemovie.com. On Facebook, that can be found at PGS The Movie. To connect with Bill Bennett, the writer, producer, and director of this film, as well as others, you can visit billbennett.com.au. On Twitter, he is at Bill Bennett Oz, that's O-Z. And on Facebook, we're sending everybody to PGS The Movie once again for that. To connect with Paul Selig and his work and his books, um, you can find him at paulselig.com. And on Twitter, he is at Paul Selig. And on Facebook, Paul.Selig. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, a boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness, is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H-Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more.
welcome back. Let's continue the conversation. We're talking about strengthening our intuition for guidance, healing, and happiness. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about intuition. We're talking about what I consider to be extraordinary phenomena. Um, and when we talk about intuition, we're also talking about a new film, PGS, Personal Guidance System, the movie, um, that was written, produced, and directed by Bill Bennett, who's still with us. And one of the featured experts in the film is Paul Selig, who is considered one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. Paul is also uh, a psychic. He is the author of seven books, and he works in a very unique way in terms of receiving the information from other sources. And Paul, I wanted to ask you a bit about the development of your psychic ability, because that came after the channel, the channeling. Well, they all were working. No, I think the psychic work came first, but that was the beginning of clairaudience and clairsentience. I was volunteering at a center in New York City that was providing services for people with life-challenging illness. It was uh, the height of the AIDS epidemic, and New York was being devastated by it. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I could hear things for them. So that was the beginning of a psychic work and then feel what was going on. And while I'm not a medical intuitive, um, you know, I could step in and occasionally sort of say, you know, I could feel what was happening. I could, I mean, I, you know, this is, it was a fascinating thing for me because I had nothing to compare it to. But once it kept being proven out, I began to understand it and work better with it. Um, I didn't know that I could step into people that I had never met and sort of become them. Well, I mean, it was the beginning of hearing. And then that hearing developed into channeling. And then the channeling, as I do it now, has developed in an entirely different way where the guides are really lecturing through me. I do workshops now all over the world, and I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I sit in a chair, I close my eyes, and the guides start to talk, and then they bring this energy through. So, and the energy is palpable. People can feel it, and the guides, you know, teach people how to work with it. It's extraordinarily, you know, practical. I mean, one of the things about Bill's film that I really admire is it's not terribly woo-woo. It's a practical teaching on, on development developing your own right to your own true nature, which is inclusive of the intuitive nature. So, you know, my work as a channel developed as I continue to say yes to it. And that seemed to be, you know, my job. And a lot of this has really happened in spite of me and in spite of my resistance to it. Um, you know, I thought I'd be teaching at NYU probably for the rest of my life. And, (laughs) and I was, and I loved doing it. I was a good college teacher. So this is still a bit of a surprise. Um, and I've only been public with it for 10 years. I think that it's supposed to come in stages personally. I think we live in a culture right now where people want everything now and we have instant experts and people have a psychic opening and suddenly they say, you know, where's my book deal? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to observe. And it's not that people aren't opening up quickly now, but I do think it takes some time to learn how to work with one's innate abilities if they're going to be in service to others. You know, my intuitive nature as it relates to my own life is far better than it used to be because I work with it so often that I've begun to trust it. But I'm not the best person to do a psychic reading for myself because if I have an investment in the outcome of a situation, I may not be accurate. 
So divine neutral is the place to land, and that's where I'm effective for other people. And I have to be neutral for the channeling, or I'm not going to be an effective channeling. A lot of it's about letting the, the personality self, or my idea of what should be, which is all based on historical data and how I was raised and what the culture says, it's letting that stuff aside to let what is present come through. And that's the process of development. It's continual, it's continual allowance. It, well, uh, the divine, would you say divine neutrality or divine? Divine neutral, yeah. Yes, I, li I like that. And I like what you said about the, the woo-woo because um, sometimes when I know for myself, when I express an interest in, in this dimension, people will say, oh, that's so woo-woo. And I'm like, mm, no, not really. And I, I, I like that you're able to explain it in a non-woo-woo way. Well, I don't, you know, I mean, every, I, I'm not the first person to do this. And I don't think channeling, although the name channeling, I understand, was coined by Edgar Cayce, who was one of the great mystics of, of the last century. And he was a medical intuitive and a trans channel. He coined the word, I think, but Swedenborg was channeling. It goes back and back and back and back to all sort of inspired texts. So it's not a new phenomenon. I think it's packaged in different ways in different times. All I know is truth is truth. And if it's truth, I don't care what you want to call it or how it comes, um, it, 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 bears, it bears attention, it bears listening to or reading. And in terms of everyday intuition, for someone who wishes to cultivate more of it in their lives, I know Bill suggests that it is the um, the management of fear or the the minimization of fear. But is there more to it? I think learning the difference between knowing and thinking can be quite helpful. We tend to confuse the two, and my guides have been known to say, you know, the small self thinks. And the true self knows. Mm. And if you just ask yourself to go into a time in your life when you knew something, I knew I was, I knew I got the job, I knew I was in love, I knew the relationship was over. Remember what it was like to know something, to truly know it in your body. And then compare that with something that you think. I think I know what's for dinner tomorrow. I think I know what my best friend is up to. You'll find the difference. And I've learned that when I'm thinking, there's always a question attached to it. When I know, there is not. And my guides have said when we're, when we're in our knowing, we're really sort of compelled to act upon that, even if the action is to do nothing, if that's what, you, what you're told or what you know. I happen to hear as a clear audience, Bill heard when he was in the car, but there are many ways of knowing and true knowing I think is what is known as clear cognizance. And if you look at, you know, the Bible or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you go into that stuff, you know, the gift of knowing is is a gift. It's it's spirit working with us, you know, in a powerful way. And I think to understand that we have the right to that is the radical step for many of us that can really change the way we live our lives. Yeah, I, I I do hear what you're saying, and I I uh, I'm a bit astounded by the conversation because 
you know, they say that when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? And so one can be curious in this area. And then you, you see proof, which is mm-hmm. in this film and in these books and in speaking with the two of you. I, it only validates that there are these unseen areas that, uh, demand, as far as I'm concerned, our, our examination when we're ready. You know, I think it's, I think it's there. We haven't been, invited to ask the questions that might lead us there. And we live in a world where it's not practical. You know, we're taught what to think, what to want, what to wear. You know, the, the, the culture we live in, in many ways, prescribes what we think we're allowed. And, you know, what my guides say is what we're doing with this stuff in some ways is we're breaking through sort of the false ceiling that we've collectively shared to what's always been present beyond it. You know, it's always been here. We just haven't aligned to it and we won't align to it unless we know that it's it's there and that we have the potential to be in response to it. Um, that's that simple. You you said something about thought that when we are in thought and many of many of us believe that our thoughts and our feelings are fact and truth and you mm-hmm. you state that that's that's not the case and I agree with you. Did I say that our thoughts are not truthful? I mean every time I hear somebody say my truth I um, I have a little bit of a response to it and that's because my guides say you know when people say that. In classes, they say, well, that's not your truth, that's your opinion. And they say, (laughs) you know, what is true is always true. It's always true that the three of us are in this conversation at this moment in eternity. We're all in this this dialogue about about Bill's movie and my work. Um, It's not always true that we're having this conversation, but it will always be true that at this moment in time, we were here. Yeah. And in this engagement. And and that takes away some of the, I don't know, some of the stuff around this. I do think that, you know, thoughts are things and thoughts are powerful. But I also think the collective is in broadcast. And the collective thought that we have is outpictured as the world we live in and 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 what we see. And consequently, we're always in agreement or in energetic accord or coherence with what's in front of us through that agreement. You know, we all know what day it is. We all know what the sky is. This is all collective agreement. And as we begin to shift in our awareness of who we are and what can be known, the collective agreement can shift to be far more inclusive, perhaps, of what exists beyond, you know, the obvious. Well, that's certainly a goal for myself, you know, to 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 experience the shift and impact what I can in my small territory of the planet. And I think the more each one of us do this, you know, Bill, through your work, Paul, through your work and all the others that uh, come along and and do work that serves to raise the vibration on the planet, you know, we stand a chance. (laughs) It's optimistic. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, We are out of time. One more time, I'm going to give the plug for both the film and for all of Paul's books. To learn more about PGS, Personal Guidance System, the movie, please visit pgsthemovie.com. To learn more about the work of Paul Selig, 
his books, his channeling, his um, psychic consultations and workshops, please visit paulselig.com. You can find Bill Bennett at billbennett.com.au. And on Twitter, Paul Selig is at Paul Selig and Bill is at Bill Bennett Oz. And on Facebook, that's Paul dot Selig and the, the film page on Facebook is PGS the movie. Here are a few thoughts before we part. And I want to thank both of you for, for, for coming on and, and sharing yourselves and this project with, with our audience. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests today, Bill Bennett and Paul Selig, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with TogiNet Radio, KBUURadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.